Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror mine, mirror mine You twist and turn my mind Until I don't know who I am Mirror mine Good morning and welcome to a summertime special I am joined in the off-season with Johnny How you doing, Johnny? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good I'm actually sweating in my spare room right now uh, And it's not because of my browser history Well, no, <laughs> it's uh, because England in the UK We've suddenly got ourselves the sun It's shown up, you know And uh, we're above, the mercury is above 20 degrees today So we've waited a while, but finally it's here And as you rightly pointed out I'm wearing a pink floral number today um, To really cap off that it is summer vibes, yeah, kind of a Hawaiian shirt. So I would not look at a place at any family barbecue right now. That's that's good times. That's good times. So so much rain going on in the UK over the last month. I felt like the the weather in the UK was reflective of the performance of Arsenal on the pitch. Maybe the performance of Arsenal in the summer is reflective of the weather hitting up a, a couple of notches. Well, I don't know about that, but, you know, you can plot your own graph, but it's more, I, I was um, very much on board with your original assessment that Arsenal may have been bringing the weather down, but I don't know about our performance in the summer. It's just that we're no longer stinking out the place, so suddenly the rain clouds have lifted. You know, I just think it's the uh, omission of Arsenal's presence <laughs> and games that have meant that the clearer skies are inbound. Arsenal is better without football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just an entity that we can talk about and know, you know. But in terms of it updating, Arsenal updating its history every week, we're better off without it right now because, yeah, we haven't seen any any positive vibes for a little while. Yeah, and I, I love I love transfers, and I think people that don't like transfers are untrustworthy. <laughs> and uh, but I, I definitely feel that there's a uh, everybody's got their own transfer philosophy on how they 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 compute it. Johnny, what's your transfer philosophy? How do you get through the summer without getting 
too excited without getting too downtrodden when things don't go away what's what's your internet approach to, to dealing with the constant influx of information well it's you know we just kind of briefly whispered out this before we started recording now i know that i think um probably both of our outlooks will summarize how a lot of arsenal fans um view it differently in that uh, respect in the sense that I, in previous years, have been someone who completely would get carried away with any transfer rumour. Um, I remember famously back in the days when uh, crying out for Arsene Wenger to sign a supportive striker um, to Omri. I really thought that we could go that little bit further. I think this was not long after Chelsea knocked us out in the Champions League when we really should have won it. And I was with my friend um, sitting in my living room and I was like, we need Vincenzo Montella. That's who we need. <laughs> and he was good on Champ Man. He was very good on Champ Man. Yeah. And I'm sick to death of Arsene Wenger not signing Vincenzo Montella. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call up a Sky Sports phone in. Um, you know, those days when you could call mm. up. And I'm going to start the rumour so that the rumour may actually kick Arsene Wenger into gear. Maybe he's sitting there going, oh, I don't know who to sign. And so I called up and I went, yeah, um, just so you know, Jim White, I've just seen Vincenzo Montella walking around London Colney. Um, they didn't investigate too hard. They didn't dig very deep into my explanation because they'd, they'd have seen through the lies. But they went, oh, wow, there's a scoop there. Montella's around. Needless to say, Vincenzo Montella never signed for Arsenal um, because not only did I not see him at London Colney, but Arsene Wenger does not watch Sky Sports phone-ins uh, to, get, to get ideas as to which players he's just signed. So, you know, back in the day, I was very much charged by any rumour, really fully invested in. But Arsenal, much like with their on-the-field antics, have dashed my hopes in so many ways over the years. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've had some good seasons with who we've signed, but I'm now more cautious about getting carried away with players when it comes to just rumour and I'm more like I need to see it in black and white when when BBC report it when Sky Sports start reporting it then I start getting properly excited yeah there are so many disappointing transfer rumours my my first ever transfer saga that I really got into was I think I was I must have been 11 12 years old and Arsenal were in for Patrick Cliver. And I was like, man, this is, I think, I think he was, he was at Milan at the time, super exciting young player. It dragged on the entire summer. And in the end, um, we missed out on him and he went, uh, yeah, went to Barcelona and absolutely flopped and never really picked up his career from there. And I think in the same summer, we were also in for the De Boer twins, I was like, wow, Arsenal have really landed. And (laughs) Arsene Wenger refused to sign two players that were willing to break their contract. Um, And they went on, and they both went on to Barcelona as well and perhaps didn't have the the best of careers. So I've had my hopes dashed. Uh, I don't learn. Uh, I get excited every summer. I'm I'm two feet in. It's It's still crack cocaine to me. (laughs) <laughs> and what we're we're 15 years on it's um it's a fantastic time because it's hope and you hope every yeah. summer that the people in charge recognize the things that we as fans recognize and i i think that you can generally get a bit of a gauge of how the summer's going to go and i think that our summer rumor mill has got progressively better 
over the last three to four years. Do you remember, you know what I would say? I was at the, the Vincenzo Montella story of three years ago was Nicholas Pepe, right? He was, yeah. he was pulling up trees. There were comp videos going around. Uh, he, he had an exciting name. He, he, he looked like he had all the swagger that we were looking for. And then we actually went out and signed him and no one expected that we were going to do that. He was being linked to Manchester City. And then he gets in and he completely disappointed. But for that, <laughs> for that moment, you've got to admit, we felt like we were going back to the top. 100%. I remember I was doing the Arsenal Nation stuff at that point and um, I came in after the uh, season break and I was like, that's it, I'm gassed. I was like, top four, definitely. This got, uh, you know, I was one of the people who said, tell me a better front three in the league. you got Aubameyang, <laughs> Laka and Pepe. And, and you know, Aubameyang was as good as any striker and certainly that still holds water. He's as good as any striker in the league yeah. at that point. He's scoring record. Pepe... You know, there was always that comparison between, you know, I think it was like only Lionel Messi had the uh, similar number of goals and assists, like, you know, um, interactions in in game at that point. Like, he, he was, and he was in a big league. It wasn't some, it wasn't the Hungarian league or something. It was a French league, which might not be the Premier League, but it's no jokes, you know. Um, and, yeah, I was gassed at that point. And I did think that that may be a kind of line in the sand moment, you know, a fork in the road, if you will, for our transfer strategy. Um, and and before that, I was also encouraged because before that we'd had Sven and Sven was starting to get us names that were slightly underground, but were always encouraging. And they always came with the Sven seal of approval, which didn't mean they're 100% guaranteed to be success stories, but mostly he had a very good success rate, I think. Um, but... Both of those chief protagonists between the deals that we've talked about, i.e. Sven in the first instance and then Raul with Pepe, they've gone. So it will be interesting to see how, you know, the new regime, and obviously Arteta was in last year, and I'm not 100% sure that we had an amazing summer last year when it comes to our transfers. There were certainly some misses. I, I don't know if Willian's gone yet. Um, I think he might have, but no, he's, he hasn't. But he's on his way. Get out. He's got to um, be. Get out, He's got to get out the door, mate. Um, but it will be interesting. This is going to be a massive summer for our Arsenal shape-up next year. And Lord knows, I think there are, you know where my perspective is, I think there are some big, big movements that need to be made at Arsenal. But there's no question that transfers are always, at least in the short term, a bit of an antidote to ill feeling. And they make they, they rejuvenate the fan base. They make everyone feel positive again. And with a couple of the right players, we can win it all. We can. <laughs> and you, I think the interesting thing about transfers that I was told by uh, someone that worked in the game, they're like, transfers are just as important to players at the club as they are the fans. Because you remember there was a summer when Arsene Wenger didn't sign a single outfield player. And the, you know, the thought was it, it doesn't matter if that is the one player that we needed. And it, you know, it certainly was not, but um, players want to see new people in the dressing room because it brings excitement and energy to the training camp. And like players are kids, as well, you know, they're, they're probably going through the feeds and, and clicking the, the the aggregator tweets to see who's going where. So I think it's um, I think the the back room needs a refresh um, this summer. And I think what is exciting so far is 
there, even even the bad rumors are not happening. Like Ryan Bertrand, thirty-one years old, deal off, gonna go to Leicester City. Apparently, it's like last season he would have been signed, four-year deal, two hundred and fifty grand a week. But I think the key thing, and before we get into who's coming in, I think we've got to talk about who's going because this is what's really getting me excited. When have you ever had a summer? where a whole group of expensively paid senior players look like they're realistically on the chopping board. And I want to go straight away to Granite Xhaka. Let's talk about Granite Xhaka on the exit card because it seemed like one of the most despised players at Arsenal. And Arsenal fans are getting wet feet about this. Johnny, are you getting wet feet about the exit of Granite Xhaka? Well, do you know what? This subject, and, and probably why we're starting with this, because it is it is a key point, really, um, it adds a conflicting, um, a conflict, conflicting conclusion when you look at this situation. And that is that, basically, if you're asking me, is Granite Xhaka going to win us the league? No, he's not. That's it. I have seen enough. He's been at the club long enough. I can draw that conclusion and, and feel very comfortable in that conclusion now. He's not going to be the difference that is going to win us the league. When you ask a follow-up question, is Granite Xhaka one of our better players at Arsenal right now? Yes, he is. I don't... And I am... I have been a, a big Xhaka detractor over the years. I... I saw that he embodied a lot of the issues that Arsenal perennially would face, including, um, I I mean this in a more nuanced way when I say weak mentality, because I actually think in some ways he's one of our more resolute uh, players. But when you look at the red cards, when you look at the lack of concentration, which seem to have dried up a little bit lately, but you know they're in his game, it's that aspect that when you're trying to make the leap to the next level, which, quite frankly, we're a million miles away from right now anyway, um, he it will stop him from getting there. However, you know, we've got so many issues at the moment. It's kind of like, you know, our, with Arsenal, the house is on fire and Granite Xhaka's the pan on the hob that's slightly overheating. You've got bigger issues, okay? It's not to say that you shouldn't take that pan off the hob because that could cause a problem as well. But that, the house is already on fire. And I do think that um, there are a number of more pressing concerns. Um, but when we attack our outgoings um, through the summer, you have to also look at two things at the same time. One, you have to look at whether that player is going to you know, help you get where you want to go. But also, you have to look at our assets, our saleable assets, and who might recoup the most in terms of um, their transfer value incoming. Because, obviously, if we want a major overhaul, we're going to have to recoup some from player transfers as well as um, the Cronkies actually coughing up some cash for once. So... Um, my my assessment on Xhaka is what I've read of it up to now, and this is just rumours, are that Roma in particular has shown interest, but not for the money that we would get good value for getting rid of him. Um, you know, I don't think that Xhaka is... I don't think Xhaka is like an outrageously high-paid player when you compare it to someone like a Willian, if you like. Um, so it's not like... Or, or, or an Ozil situation where we really had to get those wages off our books. Um, in terms of what he brings to the team, he's probably 
a, a net benefit to the squad, I think, at the moment. Um, but there will there'll be no tears if Xhaka was to go and we had a new vision that we were pursuing, whether that be a much... Because what we all know as Arsenal fans is we do reach issues when it comes to teams that take advantage of Xhaka's lack of athleticism. So if you want to tell me that we get rid of Xhaka and we get into athletic, strong, pacey midfielders, Basuma potentially, someone else in that mould as well, then yeah, of course I could be into it. I'm not going to cry for Xhaka. But ultimately, he's been one of our better performers. And that's, again, saying it from someone who has been on Xhaka for a while... Uh, previously, he has, you know, credit where it's due. He's delivered recently. So I don't want to just get rid of a guy like that with no backup plan, basically. Yeah, I think all of those points are valid, but also those points highlight a bigger issue at Arsenal Football Club when a player who is a leader behind the scenes is one of the most respected players in the squad lacks what Granite Xhaka lacks, I think you've got a problem. You know, like when a, if you want to, if you want to be a, an example setter in a squad or a tone setter, I think we, I think we need better tone setters. You know, since Granite Xhaka came to Arsenal, we've dropped out the Champions League and looked unlikely to get back in. And yeah. he's a hundred thousand pound a week player, which isn't cheap. He's going to be 29 years old in September. And one of the one of the problems that Arsenal fans get into, because we're emotional, is when a player has a good season and they're limited, we we want them to carry on and get better because we hope that there's a, you know an upward trend. But I think, you know, Maitland-Niles last season kind of proved sometimes you've just got to bite the bullet. And if a player is in good form move them on while you can because next season he'll be going on 30 and that 15 million, 20 million pound fee won't be there. And then you're kind of stuck with him. So I kind of feel like he's played his way into form. He hasn't made as many errors this season. He's uh, he's made a good account of himself, but bigger picture for me is we should be able to do better. We need more mobility in a midfield. I'm not yeah. sure he is a squad player. I think he needs to be in uh, in, in a starting eleven, and I think if the mission is reduce errors in the system, Granit Xhaka is one of the most error-prone players in the team. So I think we need to upgrade our leadership um, in this side this year, and I think we need to move on from players that are they're kind of our comfort blankets. You know, like Hector Bellerin is in the same yeah. boat. Alex Lacazette is in the same boat. You cannot say that they're bad players. You cannot say they're poor professionals. Um, and you cannot say that they're completely useless to the squad. But they're so damaged. They're like kittens in a bag that have been thrown <laughs> over a bridge. You know, they are part of all of the problems that we've had over the last six years. So whilst whilst I agree that we have bigger problems, if there is an opportunity to shift him on, take his wages off the bill and bring in someone new that can do all of the good things he can do, but with mobility, power and pace, and maybe with a higher ceiling, I think that this is this has to be the summer to do it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you, you, you're completely right. You are completely right. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to launch, a, you know, a, a tacit, you know, defence and plea for Granite to stay. Because, as I say, like, he he's 
shown enough for me where his ceiling is, and, and you rightly pointed that out. This is he's not going to get dramatically better. This is what it is. This it's is the more, best. Yeah, yeah, this is it. But the problem is, and it speaks to the malaise we find ourselves in, where now our standards have dropped as well, and our lack of dare I say ambition in some areas that if a player just isn't shit you're kind of like oh well let's just keep <laughs> get rid of the shit ones yeah. no let's just try and upgrade every everything so it's not to say that I'm like I'll be again as I said before I wouldn't be devastated if he left to be honest I'll be quite pleased I, I, the best thing that could happen we move Xhaka on and get a very good replacement the worry comes in when you move Xhaka on and then do you trust them to replace him suitably because otherwise yes there are players who are better than Jacker out there but there's a whole load of players who are worse than him who can just come in and go I I'm a slightly younger more athletic problem that you're going to get to know over the next few years and uh, you're going to paint me in the same light as granite for that for that matter you know yeah it's uh it's like an extreme version of Gilbertoism yeah. One was like, what, does, what the hell does he do? And then he got injured and then they were like, oh, wow, he was actually a, a pretty good player. But, you know, we at least had him to come back from injury. I, I also think the, the the structure that Arteta has built is there to protect Art, uh, to protect Jacker. And I think one of, the, one of the issues that this imbalanced squad has is you've got 11 players it's only balanced because he creates imbalance to protect players. Yeah. And th- this summer really has got to be, we need 11 players on that pitch that can all do the job to the best of their ability. We can't have somebody in midfield that needs a whole system around him to stop him making errors or to stop him getting the ball in positions where he gets pressed hard. So I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that we can upgrade there, but he, he is highly valued at Arsenal because he moves the ball between the lines and he does it like to an incredibly high standard. And because of the the errors in the past, we sometimes judge Jacker through the wrong lens Like he does, he serves the ball between the lines. And when he, when he wasn't there through that little phase and, you know, we had to play him at left back, we like Thomas party couldn't do it on his own. Thomas party needed a granite Jacker to do that dirty work. So, um, Hopefully they have a, an interesting solution signed up. I mean, I, well, I, well, the, the thing is, the thing is, when Gwendozi came in, there was always, you know, I certainly was like, okay, this guy, Jacker's replacement, he has a similar range of passing, can absolutely pass through the lines, carries the ball a bit better, and is a bit quicker, a bit more athletic, and gets stuck in well. But obviously, that looks like a, a doomed story anyway, and he's attracting interest of his own. But I think that's a very, very good point that you make there about Xhaka, about the fact that... He, and Arteta's not the only coach, but um, basically we've set up structures that have it, have limited us in other areas to protect our inadequacies in some, and that's not what we need. They're, you know, we're back to the... Um, model of trying to find a team that can be better than the sum of its parts. And we don't need necessarily standout players who are world-class on their own doing it all. We need 11 people contributing. We are simply not built at the moment and we don't have the personnel to be carrying anyone. And it's not. I don't think that in in its in of itself we were carrying Xhaka. I think he's easily Premier League level. And, and to be honest, again, one of our better players in the last season. But he limits us in a way that 
takes us away from what I believe a lot of fans, including myself, would like to see Arsenal return to, which is a style of football where we are dynamic, we counter very quickly, we've got pace throughout the team, like everyone. We talk about Gilberto, even Gilberto was quick. Do you know what I mean? He went, it's not Thierry Henry quick, but you don't need to be that quick. You just need to be able to not let any midfielder you're up against just pace you and burn you, which has happened to Xhaka so many times, you know. It happens to him even when he's been, even when he's playing well. Even when he's playing well, it's just a physical limitation. He can't get quicker. He can't. But the other, um, point that I would also say on, on the issue of Xhaka is that I think this is a real jettisoning of, um, that old, well, that, that style of play, that way we wanted to play because what we did have when we had Xhaka as an issue is that we were losing too much when he was out the team because we were using him to pass through the lines. So then we went out and got David Luiz, which meant you had a guy who was playing in, in the defensive line who had a similar range of passing and could hit those balls as well. So that when Xhaka went out, we still had someone who could hit those between-the-lines passes and feed people quickly. And we've seen that to very good effect at different times throughout David Luiz's tenure at Arsenal. However, we're now losing both of our most progressive passers from a deeper area. And again, to reiterate, Gwendouzi doesn't look like he's got a way back. And, you know, outside of going, yeah, Bob Alden, mate, I reckon you've got in you a few 60-yard moonrakers. It's got a new haircut, maybe. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, Beckham haircut. But... um. You know, I think it might be that we're not necessarily looking to progress the ball in that way. And I hope that that signals um, a willingness to get back to having more athletic individuals who are all technically good. Because I don't like this uh, notion that often pops up in the media like you have to be one or the other. Like, oh, yeah, we just got an athlete in a water carrier and, oh, we got this guy who's a technical, you know, magician. No, you can be both. Thomas Party. He's very athletic, but he's also one of our best technical players. No question about it. We need to recruit more in the party mould, not necessarily costing that much money, but in that mould and probably less in the Xhaka mould for that matter. Yeah, and it is interesting when you say, you know, you should be able to have, you know, both athleticism and the ability to move the ball around because if if there are two common themes with David Luiz and Granit Xhaka, it's that they're brilliant at moving the ball between the lines, but slow. Yeah. And I I think that this summer we have to we have to rebuild back um, to to like 2004 where it was technical athletes, powerful technical athletes, and I think I think that you know that kind of moves us on a little bit on. There was there's been a lot of debate. Um, since our podcast where we talked about William Saliba, if if David Luiz is going, the idea that Arsenal would rest the season on promoting William Saliba from a mid-table French side um, into our first team is a bit nuts to me. So there's been quite a lot of linkage to other centre-backs. And I, I think if we're going to try and move ourselves forward, um, everybody's saying that we shouldn't sign defenders. Like We, we spent a whole season without a right-back. So signing a, a right back that can move at speed and be trusted with the ball, I think is an imperative, but also making sure that we've got a ball playing centre back that's got enough experience to slip right into the side. And I'm not saying William Saliba shouldn't be included in the squad, but the, the notion that people are like, 
Arteta's got to get it right next season, but also take a chance on a 19-year-old centre-back to replace uh, a 34-year-old that had literally won every competition in the game. Feels a bit fanciful to me. Where do you stand on the debate of um, signing a centre-back this summer? It's certainly not the most pressing concern. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, stick Saliba in the team. Give him a go. Give him a go. The fact is, is that we've had this guy sitting around for a while. We've got other players as well, by the way, who can fill in at centre-half. You know, bearing in mind that David Luiz, uh, when you talk about whether or not he was a starting defender, he didn't start for most of the season. You know, we, there were large chunks of it where we were playing with Bob Holding and um, Gabriel in there. And they were looking like a decent partnership. One of the issues or the needs um, generated for David Luiz was, again, what I referred to about the, the loss of Xhaka at times and the lack of anyone being able to employ progressive passing, you know, deeper in that. So when when you had teams who were either... So we have two issues, I think. Like, we have one when we are pressed... A lot of the players are not very good on the ball. Now, David Luiz is good on the ball, but he's not quick. So he might be able to ping a ball 70 yards. But if you start hounding him, he's not going to do a couple of, you know, step overs and go past you or anything. He, 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 he's actually primed for, to get mugged. So if anything, he's, his first opt out is to whack a long range pass. Whereas being good on the ball doesn't just mean about having long-range passing. It means being able to take the ball in tight areas, come out with the ball if you need it, make someone come and pressure you, you draw that pressure away, and therefore free up a man deeper in midfield. That's what William Saliba is about to bring to the team, in my money. And it didn't for my money. And it doesn't really matter whether you're not sold on Saliba yet. Who can be? We've not seen enough. We don't know that he's going to be completely suited to the Premier League. But what we know is he's got to get given a go. Because there's no other outstanding candidates that should be able to exclude Saliba of the opportunity to show that he's capable of it. And I think he's... You know, we're not talking about giving a guy a go at 31 years old, end of his career, trying to relight the fire. He's in the, you know, he's he's a young uh, prodigal talent who is just a prestigious talent who's going to come come through and hopefully prove his name. And I think that um, whoever is going to be in that cent- central pairing, I think they need to compliment Saliba because for me, he's going to bring that Rio Ferdinand that Virgil van Dijk, that company mode to it, being able to drag the ball out of um, out of defence, slip those balls in, but also, you know, not going to lose one-on-ones willy-nilly, even if his whole defensive um, knowledge base is not quite there yet. Well, this is how he learns on the job. So I think centre-half is, because of Saliba, one of our areas of least concern, um, because I don't think we want to replace like-for-like with David Luiz. Um, and I think that there's no one we're likely to sign who could justify not giving Saliba uh, 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 an opportunity in the first team with, obviously, Bob Holding, whether it be Gabriel to start, Callum Chambers to deputise as well. And we've got Mavropanos and Mari, who also looks quite slick. So, yeah, not an area that I think is the most pressing of concern. You're on mute, Pete. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to upgrade. And I, I also don't think that 
I don't think there's a, necessarily a world where we don't sell a, what someone in that back line. Rob Holding signing a new deal does not mean that he we don't sell him. It just means that we protected our asset. And most clubs, if they've got that many centre-backs and it feels like a majority of our centre-backs can't do what they're, they're needed to do, then you've got to make a move and you've got to sell some players. So I don't think, I think Saliba should be considered in the first team next season. I think, I, I don't think the, I don't think Arteta has enough capital with the fans to risk having him as a starter and, and not looking at that centre-back role because the centre-back role is so important. And, you know, if you get a, a crisis of confidence like Gabriel got at the start of last season, you're in trouble. So we'll see there. But I, one thing we can definitely agree on, um, we do need a we need a new right back. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a there's a bit of a movement for Cal Chambers, and I just I, I think that again, it's like a, a ten, 10 good games at right back does not mean that you're a permanent solution going into next season. I like Cal Chambers; I think he's a good player, but I think that that's a, that would be a high risk move. A thousand times, no, we cannot be looking at you know promoting him to first choice right back he having someone is this is another thing i mean maybe it's the wenger's legacy of watching players come in and have their positions changed and be utility guys and thinking that's you know suitable the reality is is for me i don't think that callum chambers is anywhere near quick enough he to be a right back that we would need moving forward what has really grabbed attention is he's end product because we've been quite starved really of right backs who can actually deliver decent crosses you know and even pose a goal threat for that matter but um, I think if we're going to play in some of the styles that we saw well basically the easy the easiest thing um, to kind of draw the comparison in on is that we need a right back in the mould of Kieran Tierney you know we haven't got one of them Hector Bellerin, whilst I really love Hector, like I, I you know, I, I hate some of the abuse he gets from Arsenal fans, and and for me, you know, a lot of it comes down to the way he dresses, the way you know he carries himself, and I just think he's a cool guy, and and I think that it to, is to be applauded, but in terms of his on on the um, pitch performances, there's no question it, it's been waning. He's been on the wane for a while now, and. Um, when when he first burst onto the scene, and you genuinely were like, "This guy at the Lamezia Academy, this guy's yeah. going to be absolutely unreal. He's going to be a world class right back." Well, I don't think he's ever got to world class levels. He he's got close, like he's got to, you know, solid Champions League level talent. You know what I mean? He he didn't let anyone down at that level. But he, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not, you know, starting for Spain. Hasn't really had that. Uh, you know, that opportunity for Spain throughout his career. Obviously, he's got some great competition there, but he's never made that step up to elite, step up to elite level. And I think at this point, if you're going to start getting ruthless, then his name would certainly be one of those who would attract a fee if we were to sell him. I don't know whether the clubs he might want to go to um, would be interested in him because he's certainly not been you know, pulling up trees for us this year. But he's certainly a, a good player. Very, you know, decent Premier League standard. But when you look at some of what other teams... And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say these are commonplace. But when you look at what a Trent Alexander-Arnold brings at right back to Liverpool, you know, I mean, this guy is their best player at times. And he he's running things from right back. 
And, um, you know, if you look even closer to home, what Kieran Tierney brings when he's... Do you remember those games? Um, you know, in in one of our lull periods, and we come out, but Tierney was playing well, and then he, he missed a game. And we were like, ah, oh, yeah, we couldn't win today because Tierney weren't playing. No, this guy's our left-back, mate. <laughs> like, we were... We were beholden to our left back because he was setting out, he was our main playmaker. It's a disgrace. But, you know, it showed, it spoke to the influence Tierney is starting to have over our team. And I think that if you compare that to Bellerin's influence, well, there is, there is no comparison at the moment. It just seems like. And we play lopsided. Arsenal play lopsided because there's there's no right. You're like, oh, why why doesn't Pepe ever get the service on the right? It's because the the fullback situation was terrible. Yeah, exactly. And and for me, I think that would be an easier upgrade, an easier position to say we need to sign a right back, not Callum Chambers. Because the thing is, is and this speaks to what we were just talking about with Shaka as well. We overall have regressed as a club. There's, that, there can be no argument about that. You look at our league position, it just tells you what it is. We're now out of Europe for the first time in 25 years. And it's easy as fans to feel like, you know, the ship is sinking. And kind of like my house on fire analogy earlier. But, you know, there are some big holes in the ship's hull. And you, you, you're rushing to patch them up, and so much so you might look at the smaller ones and go, don't worry about them. But they all need to be fixed if we are to get back to where we want to. And so, you know, Bellerin is not a bad player. He's definitely not. But we need to make positive additions. We need to go beyond what people are producing right now to get us to where we want to be. Because, again, just doing a industry par for a you know, Europa League team is not enough. We want players who are trying to push on and make that step up to Champions League level at a bare minimum. Yeah, and I think there's um, part of the Bellerin, the Jacker thing, the Lacazette thing is there's um, there's now a, a standardised reaction to um, to going through bad runs. We don't really come out of them and that's become sort of ingrained in our DNA. And I feel like shipping out Leno's, uh, Lacazette, Shaka's, Bellerin's. You get a new group of players with a new mentality. So when things go off the rails, there isn't that, ah, oh, this is just what we do, guys. Yeah. This is just, this is just how it goes down. It bring, hopefully it'll bring, uh, bring a new attitude and hopefully Arteta brings through players that are going to have the same hunger as the Highlanders. I think if you could put that attitude of Saka and Smith Rowe and Martinelli into a whole group of new signings, make everybody feel like they're getting better, make everybody feel competitive. I think we could have a I think we could have a, a strong a strong start next season. But the the signings that he brings in also have the power to make the project worse because no doubt last season the worst signing of the summer was William and because he was a new signing and the coach and the technical director had invested so much emotionally in them, um, he couldn't take him out of the side. So it's it's crazy how many players are going to move on this summer. It's crazy how many are going to come in. And the margins for getting this right are so narrow because he's got to have a good start, right? I don't think anybody's going to forgive three months like last time, and, and they shouldn't. 
but um, this this summer is literally a career maker for Vinay, for Edu, and for Arteta. Um, so the hope is that they are going to treat this with the seriousness that it needs. Because my words, you're replacing a lot of big names in that club. Well, yeah, and look, let's again, you know, to go over old ground. But I, I've said before, I think I think Arteta done enough to get the sack. You know, the fact that he's there is wouldn't be, have been my first choice, you know, not least because of exactly how you've illustrated. It's such a big summer for us. And do we trust him to build a solid squad that is not, that is basically going to have him as manager by the end of the season? So we're, he's going to make sweeping moves to the squad, which are, are needed, but it's whether or not he's the right man to be the architect of the next project. Um, and, you know, there are some parts where you can get some encouragement from Arteta's previous season in the sense that when things got really tough at Christmas, he did make some sweeping changes. I think a lot of uh, the changes, not least the Emil Smith-Rowe one, was almost brought to him out of desperation and he had to do it. But then, you know, Smith-Rowe persevered and he, he's proved himself to be one of the most important players at Arsenal moving forward. So... You know, I, I do think that there are going to be sweeping sweeping changes. It would be, you know, if there is an issue, it would be whether we end up getting rid of some of the players who could actually provide a service to Arsenal uh, moving forward under someone else's leadership. Now, because we might not want to, you know, we're, we're obviously going into the season with Arteta. It certainly looks that way. But my issue when we talk about ins and outgoings is potentially some players who might not ever get their chance under Arteta, might not ever show themselves to have worth under Arteta. However, under a different manager, could end up proving themselves to be quite useful and capable of being a a really big player. Again, I, I think I've said it on the pod before, but I use the analogy of when Conte went into Chelsea and he found a Victor Moses who's bounced between loans, looked all for, well, you know, certainly not up to Chelsea's level. And all of a sudden, he was the best right back in the league. Whereas when we look at some of the players we have on loan, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, again, not saying he's definitely going to be that way. But for me, if Arteta stays, I think Maitland-Niles is going. I think that the line's in the sand. Joe Willock, now, <laughs> this might get a few people talking because I'm hearing a lot of things from, you know, some people at Arsenal are ready to... Give Joe Willock the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> Seven goals at Newcastle and it's no, stick him not. in the hole and let's go, you know. But I'm I'm not saying that uh, I believe that Joe Willock is the future of Arsenal. But on the same note, I think some of these guys are definitely not what Arteta is about and he will look to move them on. And we may end up chucking the baby out with a... This isn't what I necessarily believe. I'm just putting it out there. We may end up checking the baby out, chucking the baby out with a bar for... Uh, as well as the likes of Willie Ann going, could someone else get more out of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, for instance? Yeah, potentially. But then you've got Sam Allardyce came out and said Ainsley should just play where he's told. So <laughs> you know he went he went to West Brom to become a centre midfielder and he, he you know did an okay job, but he didn't do a world class job. I, I actually um quite positive about how they're doing the rebuild this summer because it actually looks like they've taken some of the controls away from Edu and Arteta and it feels like 
maybe a, a more decentralized approach to decision making. And I've got absolutely no evidence to back that up. But um, there are some indicators in the press that lessons have been learned from last year. Firstly, they got rid of the physio, Edu's mate, uh, Bruno Mazzioli. Um, he's gone. They're not letting Edu pick the scouts. They've got a professional firm picking up the slack there. The players that we're being linked to don't sound like Edu style players. Like like uh, Onana or uh, uh, Ajax sounds like some some good scouting. Uh, Lakongo in Andalect doesn't sound like the sort of player that Edu's been sniffing around. So the hope is that actually they're moving to a scouting approach. Like I haven't I haven't seen a single player from Kia's portfolio linked to Arsenal yet or any of the major super agents so far. And I suspect that that is because Vinay has got to say, look, Edu, Edu and Arteta could be gone in December yeah. and I need to know that the players that we signed in have been signed off by a, a group of people, like a brain trust. Yeah. versus just being what those two thought would get them through December. Because, um, you know, if we wanted to do short-term thinking, you'd just sign players from the Premier League because you're losing Premier League players. But it reads like, actually, we're signing players from broke clubs all around Europe, potentially. And that's the best opportunity to get value. Like, don't go to the don't go to Brighton. Don't go for Norwich's Max Aarons when you can get a league-winning Leal right back for half the price. So ho- hopefully they are thinking about what comes after because that's the way any proper football club would. I'm not signing their players. I'm signing our players. So hopefully that's started to shape up. Um, I, um, I, I've, I've got a meeting that I've got to go to at one o'clock. So I think what we should do uh, is come back later on in the week um, because there's a big list of players that um, that I want to talk through and the transfer window opens next week. Um, so maybe we discuss player inward players next week and come with a list of, uh, of desirables. What do you think? Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, yeah, there's certainly a, a few doing around. So I'm going to uh, take a more detailed look at who, I'm going to maybe allowed my allow myself to dream, you know. What I mean, right as right center out a list and see see where we end up with it all. And uh, are you are you on any other podcast duties? Have you got any other like is is the world of showbiz opening up again? What's uh, what's going on in uh, in in your world? Um, no, not too much to be honest. I'm actually on jury service this week, so I'm not really. I'm only doing this pod because they called me up and said, listen, we don't need you today, mate. So any day I could be back on jury service. So the next week or two are, you know, probably going to be quite quiet because I would have had to have cancelled that anyway. Um, could set up a true crime podcast. They're very popular. Yeah, 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 they are. They are overly saturated, but, you know, nowhere near the same scope for development of Arsenal opinion um podcasting so yeah i I, i'm not going to get in that true crime quagmire but i am involved in the world of parental podcasts so another shout once again to the how's your father podcast if you haven't done it already do give it a go uh it's a a look at all things uh all things fatherhood i should say and we've got some fantastic guests talking about everyday topics so that's the how's your father podcast where you get your podcasts 
Awesome. Okay, thanks, Johnny. And if you're listening to this, you know the drill. Go on to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and uh, maybe leave a comment and say, how did you enjoy a transfer special? Where well, we didn't really talk about transfers. We talked about the outgoings, which I guess is a transfer. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we'll be back a little bit later in the week. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now. Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. improves children's health by developing better treatments and technologies. Ranked one of the top children's hospitals in the nation, we take on the most complex, rare, and life-threatening conditions because all children deserve a healthy future. And with our new pediatric-focused research and innovation campus, we are generating and sharing even more discoveries because at Children's National Hospital, we want to help every child grow up stronger. Learn more at childrensnational.org slash innovation. Sports Social Podcast Network.